Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. Amen. Well, good morning again. Uh, my name is Matt Hayden. I'm, I'm also one of the pastors here on staff here at River of Life. Uh, normally, you'd see me up here with the worship band and or overseeing journey group ministry in some way. But this morning, I'm going to be uh, sharing God's word with us, and it's going to be an honor and pleasure to do so. Uh, we're switching. You might be like, whoa, 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 whoa. did I miss something? Did I miss something? Uh, normally, we'd go into a time of, of, of worship and song at this point. If you're new with us, we're, we're changing the service up just a little bit. Uh, in light of our new series, if you've been with us, we've been going through this series, the Psalms, and uh, I just wanted to, I just felt God really leading to, to change the service up, and you'll, you'll hear what we're doing as, as we go on, so just bear with us, uh, but we're going to jump in this morning a little bit. So if you have been with us, uh, we're four weeks into this new sermon series in the Psalms, uh, and if you've missed it, okay, if you haven't been around, and or if you've just kind of missed the overarching, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a type of guy that likes to have a roadmap, I guess, like, a, okay, where have I been, where am I now, and where am I going, I, I just work like that. So I wanted to just make sure that if you've missed it, this is what the Psalm series is looking like. We, we chose to do it eight weeks, because in the midst of this lead pastor transition and stuff, we just wanted to keep kind of short series and just see what the Lord has in store for us for that, but... Yeah, we technically could have done a series for like three years in the Psalms if we really wanted to, but we chose eight weeks because just that's what God led. So eight weeks, and you got it on the screen here, and, and just kind of a roadmap of what we've decided to do. Uh, you got week one, two through eight. Okay, so we've been through Psalms. So the, the way the book of Psalms was, was, was made up originally when they compiled all these different Psalms back in the day, B, B.C., okay, they compiled the, the Psalms into five different books, and we've, we've said that, you've heard that. And so if you literally go to Psalm 42, right before it, it says book two, okay? And after Psalm 72, it will say book three. So, so it's, it's compiled throughout the Psalms in these five different books. And really Psalms one and two, they act like an introduction to the whole rest of the 150 Psalms within the five books, okay? And so that's why the first two weeks, John, we spent a lot of time digging through Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 because they kind of set up the, the feel and the, the, what God wants to do through the Psalms as the different books come. So we spent a lot of time in Psalms 1, spent a lot of time in Psalms 2. Uh, last week, Doug preached within the book one of the Psalms. He chose uh, 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 23, Psalm of David, uh, there for us last week. Uh, if, if you missed that, d- definitely go listen to that podcast um, online. And this week, we are at book two of the Psalms, which includes the Psalms 42 through 72. And as I thought and kind of prayed through, okay, you know, this, this group of 20 Psalms or however many, 60, whatever, I'm not doing math in my head, whatever amount of Psalms, um, Lord, which Psalm do I hit? Like, you know, which Psalm do we consider a Sunday morning together? You know, and I thought, well, well, maybe we could do, you know, uh, Psalm uh, 42. I know, you know, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after thee, O God. Like, wow, just a powerful psalm there. I also thought, well, Lord, maybe you'd like to, to do Psalm 51. 
powerful psalm of David where he's, where he's re- relenting his heart towards God. He, he's saying, Lord, I'm so sorry for the, my sin and the things that he, he had done with Bathsheba practically in his life and, 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 and how he, and, and other things connected to that whole story and how he was just crying out to God in Psalm 51. Well, as I continue to pray, God clearly led me to Psalm 46. And that's where we're landing this morning. So if you turn there with me, either flip, flip through your phone, button it up, or flip in your Bibles to Psalm 46. This is the psalm that God wants us to consider for this time, for this day. As you guys turn there, a little bit of background. This Psalm 46 was written by, you'll see in the, the, the title there, this is written by the sons of Korah. And for some of you that know the Old Testament well, maybe grew up in, in learning different stories and stuff of the Old Testament, you may recall this, this, this name Korah. Okay, so it was written by the sons of Korah. Now, Korah, if you remember, who, along with 250 others, he got swallowed up by the earth uh, back in Numbers chapter 16. Korah was leading a rebellion against uh, Moses and Aaron and God. There's a lot of details surrounding him, but God was just like, Arr. And a crazy story of, of, of Korah being swallowed up by the earth. But it tells us in Numbers 26 that God spared the sons of Korah from this destruction. And it's those very sons, like praise God, God knew that out of those sons, these guys were going to be writing. And they wrote 12 of our 150 Psalms that we have today. Uh, just kind of a neat background story as I looked into Psalm 46. So if you're there, Psalm 46, you'll notice if you look at the whole Psalm, you'll notice that it's broken into three different stanzas, okay? And it's broken up by this word, Selah. It's a Hebrew, uh, Hebrew word, Selah. Now, what this Selah, now, I, I think we've, 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 we've taught on this a little bit before, but the way this is used in the Psalms is to indicate a stop or a pause. And it's, kind of, it's, it's, it's a very intentional word, that the psalmist will use to, to go, okay, I just laid down some thick theology about who God is, about what his character is, about what he's all about. And then they'll write Selah because they just want to st- okay, just stop, consider this. Wow. Okay. And what, what, why we're changing the service up today is because I wanted to do a couple of moments of Selah with us. Uh, back in the Old Testament, like, for example, when King David was king over Israel, they would have worship services, okay? They, they would have times like this. I mean, they didn't, it, it looked much different, obviously, with different instruments and different things going on. But they would, they would read Scripture. They, they had, as David penned some of these psalms, they would use these psalms in their worship times. And they would stop. They, they, he would, I, I don't know this. It's not like we have a film to watch David lead this. But at some point, you know, as I read into the historical document, like, they, Israel would do these kind of things. They, they would read scripture and they would stop and instruments would play and they would stop and consider. They would have Selah moments where they as a corporate people would just stop and be still and they would, they would consider scripture. So, again, we're changing things up a little bit because I want us to, sp- I wanted myself, selfishly, to just experience, okay, Lord, what does it look like for us in our crazy, busy schedule to have, even, even on a Sunday morning, a couple of Selah moments together as we consider this Psalm 46. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And they're going to guide us a little bit. And, and we're going to guide each other through a couple moments before 
before our service continues on as normal. So the Selah, again, it indicates a stop or pause for us to consider what was being sung or what was just being said or read. And now the expression of Selah moments, there, there was a couple different ways you could express the Selah moments as I read about how they used to do it. It was either in celebration, like, rah, rah. You guys remember old stories of King David and different things that he would do in celebration? I'm not going to say the details, but if you know, you, you know what I'm saying. Uh, let's just say he danced, and he danced with little, not much on his person for some reason one time. Anyways, it's in there. It's in there. It happened. Uh, anyways, he would dance, he would sing, they would praise, they'd rah, they'd shout, they'd praise God with roars and uproar. And then sometimes Salem moments would look, look more like reflective where they'd just be silent. And maybe some instruments would be playing in the background. They would just be silent before God and consider the things being spoken of, of their God. So this morning, as the, as the band, uh, begins to play, what I'd ask us to do, what we're going to do is read a section of Psalm 46 and we're going to have a Salem moment. Then we're going to read another section of, of 46 and then have another Salem moment. Uh, and then we'll keep going in, in, in the time together. But again, uh, I want us to do this as, a, as an opportunity to allow the Lord to speak to us, maybe in greater ways than you expect during these times of Selah. So would you stand with me? Okay, we're going to read this scripture. This is the first three verses of Psalm 46. We're going to read this out loud, and I want you to read it with, with, with power in your voice because this is God's word. This is scripture to us. This is the truth. This is revealing characteristics about God uh, that we know, but sometimes we don't remember. Um, and then the, the team's just going to lead uh, instrumentally for this Salem moment. Uh, and what I want to do, I'm going to leave these verses on the screen. I want you to just, you can, you can take time to sit. You can take time to get on your knees. You can take time to journal. There's some room on your, um, on your bulletin sheets that you could write down. Maybe God speaks something to you uh, in, in reference to these uh, verses. Um, so let's read this together, and then we'll do a Selah moment. Read with me. Our God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. As the band keeps playing, you guys can stay standing here. We're going to go to the next little um, series of verses uh, in Psalm 46. I'll have them on the screen for us. And again, this is a Sunday morning, you know, our time is, you know, we, you know, I wish we could just spend like 20 minutes right now doing this, okay? Um, but next, next one. Okay, read, read with me again. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice in the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. We're going to move into a Selah moment of celebration and song, okay? Um, the band's going to lead a couple songs now. I encourage you. Uh, as we reflect upon these, the words will obviously go away to, to the song words. 
But if you got your Bibles, keep, keep reading through that psalm. Keep asking God, Lord, reveal, illuminate these truths to me. And, and may we as a people now, as we go into this Salem moment, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate the goodness of our God. seat this morning. Thank you, team. Thank you so much. I pray that that was these Salem moments that we just practiced. I pray that that was good. I pray that 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 can be something maybe this for the first time you never thought about uh, looking at scripture and God's truth that way where you where you read a portion and, and then just say law just stop and consider and okay what What's God's? I, I know for me, a lot of times in my times with the Lord, as I open His Word and, and look into things, whether it's in the Psalms or New Testament or Old Testament, you know, wherever you're at uh, with the Lord in your reading, um, as we renew our minds, right, and hopefully daily or whatever it is. Um, I know me, a lot of times I'll, I'll read it, you know, quick and just kind of go, go on the day. Sometimes I think we need to just remember those Salem moments, okay, practically and our, even our daily walks with the Lord. Uh, awesome. Well, hey, let's, let's consider uh, or continue here in Psalm 46. If you're there, get back to it. Uh, we're going to continue on. We left off at verse 7. So pick up with me at, in verse 8 as we continue to see what God has for us in this Psalm 46 this morning. Uh, verse 8, come, and actually, I think I got it on the screen. If you don't, if you don't have um, any form of Bible, it's on the screen as well. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Of course, these are all word pictures of just his might. Verse 10, we come, and, and this is God speaking here. Verse 10, God speaking, be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. And then the sons of Korah end in verse 11. The the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. All of Psalm 46, you know, the first three verses in our first Salem moment, the second series of verses that we read earlier, and what we just read, all of this is flowing. As I looked into this book, or into this psalm, um, it's flowing from a God is our refuge and strength. There's a river who God dwells in the river. He makes glad the people of God, the city of God, and, and everyone takes refuge in him, and it's flowing. And then, and then it's like the sons of Korah. And I don't know, this is me just kind of thinking and looking into things a little bit. But when they were writing this psalm, I, I can just see them going along, writing all these amazing things about God. And then maybe God like audibly came, hey, guys, be still and know that I am God. You know, wh- wh- where does this like, it, it stops and you see the quotes there that obviously this is God talking in verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. It's almost like they're writing and then all of a sudden God's like, hey, you know, the, the big point here is this. This is what I want people to understand. This is what I want people to get. He gives an imperative there for his children. Be still and know 
that I am God. And that's what I wanted to, you know, as the Lord led uh, this week into where to really tackle for this time in our service of sharing in his word and thinking about it and, and, and processing it a little deeper. Verse 10 will be a central place where we stick here for a moment. So when God says, be still and know that I am God, we've all heard it. Some of us have this memorized on our fridge, right? Okay, be still, know I'm God. I'll be, you know. Um, what does that, I want to get our juices flowing. I've had a couple weeks to kind of think through this stuff a little bit. Um, what does it mean when he, when he says this, what is he actually implying for us to do or to understand with this be still and know that I'm God? What is it that God, what's the result that God wants out of giving us this imperative to be still? And I ask you to go ahead, you know, think, think about it. I don't think there's a wrong answer. There's a lot of great answers in the first service. So when, when I ask the question, what's God implying here for us to understand? What, what would you say as you've wrestled with this before? What would you say? Stop being frantic. Don't worry. Yeah, don't, don't worry. Don't obsessively worry. Yeah. Yeah, back. Yeah, I, I don't have to do it. Like in my own strength, there's, God will do it. He'll be faithful in his own strength. If I read into that right, Cynthia, thank you. Anybody else? Put, put aside your pride. Yeah. Hey, put aside your pride. Know that I'm God. Yes. And in context, that's, that's there for sure. Matt, I saw your... He's above our politics very practically today. Absolutely. We could go on, and there's a lot of good answers for these. Um, what does he desire in giving us this imperative? Absolutely, everything we've said. Well, as I dug into this this week, I, I, looked, I looked behind the scene a little bit into the Hebrew. I kind of got my nerd glasses out. And, okay, I, kinda, I, I, cause I was curious myself, like, what, what is he really meaning? You know, because the, the, the Psalms were written in Hebrew, so there, there's, there's some a depth here, I think, that we can glean from a little bit. So be still. It's this Hebrew word, rafa. Can you say that with me? Rafa. One more time. Rafa. There we go. Uh, and it's a word that means to slacken, to abate, to cease. In fact, some of our translations out there, if you have the New American Standard, it's it cease striving, okay? Uh, to let down or to, or to let alone. As I dug into some, some of the commentaries that, 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 that really get into, talk about, talk about nerds, man, they really get in. I'm like, how do you, why? Oh, anyways, so, but what, what the picture is, but it was good. So as I read about it, the, the picture here, and I didn't bring a sack. I was going to bring a little sack of burden, but this is, this is a burden, okay? I don't know why, but it is. So the, the word picture here in, in this psalm, be still, know that I'm God, is this. Okay, so here, here we are. We're on our line with our burden. And whatever that may be, okay, there's a lot of different burdens out there, okay? And you know what they are for you this morning. But we're bearing our burdens, and we're like, ah, man, this is really heavy, Gracious sakes, I should put this down or something. But we stubbornly, right, we just kind of keep going and, oh, and we get weighed down. And we're like, oh, man, this has been years. I've been kind of bearing this. Ah, it's breaking into my neck. Yeah, you, you know, right? So, so we're, we're bearing the burden to be still in Hebrew. What this means is a few things, okay? And there, there's a couple steps here. One is to understand and recognize that you have a burden that isn't yours to, to carry. That's a huge step. Some of us are walking around, and, and everybody else around you, by the way, sees your burdens. They see. They're like, wow, you've got burdens. 
And, but sometimes we don't see them ourselves, okay? So we need to recognize our burden. Okay, oh, there's something on me that is weighing me down. And then you need to take it and take it off of yourself, off of your back. But then we can be, you know, we can kind of carry it in different ways. We can, you know, so it not only take it off, but then we need to put it down. Oh, and then even putting it down, I, I skipped a step. When it's here, we can kind of, we can kind of hold on to it, right? You guys know what I'm saying. I know you know what I'm saying because I know what I'm saying and I'm not weird. Okay, <laughs> don't. Okay, so Lord, um, so we need to let go of the burden and then we need to walk away and know that he is God. And our eyes aren't fixed here, but they're fixed here. Does that make sense? That's the word picture in Hebrew that is happening here when God says, be still. God desires us to understand this. He desires us to let down burdens and specific burdens that weigh and press us down. I'm just going to pray real quick because uh, I think this is a big deal for us. Uh, Lord Jesus, um, I just pray, Lord, that I know your Holy Spirit speaks to each of us uniquely and corporately. Uh, Lord, so right now I pray uniquely for each one sitting here. Uh, Lord Jesus, w- would you speak? Would you illuminate your word and your way uh, to us? Lord, would you illuminate burdens in our life as, as we consider this, this, this thing, Lord, of you telling us to be still? Uh, Lord, so, so we invite you to speak. Uh, may you speak very clearly to our minds, and may we listen to the voice of our shepherd this morning. Amen. Um, so what I want to do um, with some of the remaining time we have is to look into a few burdens uh, that we all bear. Uh, there's a lot of burdens out there, but, I, but I've kind of narrowed it down to three that I think that we all corporately can, from one time or another, we, we struggle with and that we bear um, in life and that I think God specifically wants us to be still in laying them down. Um, we'll get to those in just a second. Again, juice is flowing. Question. If I were to go out to Grand Junction or into Denver or anywhere in the, the Western world of America to, to a, you know, whatever normalish person with a family and, and friends and things and jobs and, you know, the, kind of that normal American way type of a family. And if I were to ask them a question, what's one of the most common responses you'll get from this question? If, if, even if you're, you're asked this sometimes, and you've given me this answer, some of you. Okay, anyways. So if I were to ask this question, I've got to see what it is again. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, how is your life going? How are you and your family doing in life today? I hear a lot of murmuring. <laughs> Look, say, say it all out so I can hear you. Sure. Yeah, that's one of the common answers we get. Oh, fantastic. You know, big smile, even though they got like issues galore going on, right? That's one of the common. What, what's another common answer that you'll get? I just heard something busy, busy. That will be the next one, if not the first one. In fact, they'll do it. They'll, they'll lie to you. They'll say, fine. And then you're like, okay. And as you start talking with them, you're like, you're not fine, but that's okay. I understand. That's the normal way to say things because we don't, you know, heaven forbid we're actually honest and open to people, right? Vulnerable. And anyways, um, your, your next answer will be, oh, we're busy, <sighs> busy. Hey, how are you doing this week? Oh man, doing good. <laughs> busy. 
You know, it's just always busy, 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 busy. So the first burden I wanted us to kind of consider, and I think God wants us to, he's desperately wanting us to consider, is the burden of our schedules. Man, we are busy, busy people. Our daily and weekly schedules of work within the home and all that comes with that and recreational activities. Even though we think we're going to, to do something recreationally, it, 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 there's a lot of planning involved and there's a lot of, you know, so, sometimes that can be relaxing. That, that's a good thing. Anyways, I'm just saying, sometimes our schedules along with our recreation stuff can cause us to be just so busy. And we li- I'm preaching to the choir here, but we live in a culture that is off the rails in terms of being busy. You know, and it's, it's kind of like a, it's a reality of life. And, and some of us can escape it more than others because some of us, you know, with maybe young families or, or kids that are in uh, middle school or in high school, you know, we got schedules and we, we, and we have things that we have to do. We, we, it's not like we can, we can just sit around and not do anything all the time. Now, that's not what God's saying here. But the realities of life, sometimes even good things can come and become burdens on us. We've got our jobs and for some of us, we work 65, 70 hours a week, and our job is enough, let alone anything else. Our house, maintaining a house, keeping track with all of that, the payments and all the things that come with having a house or an apartment. Vehicles. Boy, I wish they would take care of themselves. Taxes. Same thing with those. Uh, tax season's coming up, or it is here. Uh, we've got school. Some of us have kids in school. Or some of us are taking classes or in college or in graduate studies and, and we're in busy schedules with, with schooling. You know, and some of us, some, like if you do have kids in maybe middle school and high school, you have, a, you have a ton of extracurricular activities such as sports, gymnastics, swimming. You got your chess club, book club, drama club, outdoor club, international ski club. You got your art club. You got your dance club. You got your band. You got your cheerleading. You got your orchestra club. Am I missing anything? I'm absolutely missing a ton. I have them a whole, a whole other list. Anyways, there's, there's all of these extracurricular activities that these parents are just getting kids. In the, and it's good with balance. It's good. But sometimes our schedules can get the best of us, can they not? Between our job demands, home, family demands, social demands, and our own personal needs of recreational demands, we are running around like a bunch of chickens with our heads cut off. John Piper, in speaking into this culture, says this. And some of, us, some of us need to hear this right now. You have to stop running. And stop scurrying about and turn off the TV and this was a sermon from him years ago, so there's no Facebook, there's no smart, you know. So turn off the TV and radio like we ever, anyways. And, and get alone and be quiet and let the mammoth, the huge mountain realities of God's universal triumph take hold of you and change your life. I caution us here too. In Psalm 46.10, he, he doesn't stop it. Just be still and know that I'm God. He says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And see what happens. We don't even realize, a lot of us ignorantly don't even realize this. 
But what takes precedent in our daily and weekly schedules are the very things that we're allowing to be exalted in and over our lives. As Chris was pointing out, God wants to be the one being exalted because he knows that's what's best for us anyways and because he deserves it. He's God. We must take off. We must be still in how we approach our schedules. We, we got to, like, the way I can, can practically maybe give something of what I've been trying to learn with this is instead of scheduling a meeting, like, say one meeting's at 1.30, and I know it's going to end at about 3, what do I do if, if someone else wants to meet or whatever that day? I schedule for 3.15. And so if that goes long, I, the, the, there, there's not, no margin. Like, it's like one after another. When, when I need to just maybe think, okay, maybe have the meeting at 3.30 so there's a little bit of a margin there. We don't function like that. We, we, we get in as many as we can in the day, on the dot, every hour, bop, 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 bop. And then we get to the end of the day, we, realize, we wonder why we're completely exhausted. Give yourselves some time to think through your schedule. Like me and Lauren this week, practically, we have something going on every single night, every single night of the, the week. That's not necessarily normal. It just happened to fall this next week. It was just happening. So we should take some time this afternoon and go, okay, Here's our, you know, and this is, this, is, this is beyond my normal job here and beyond her normal job as a stay-at-home mom, getting the kids to school and all that hustle and bustle and taking care of everything going on at home. Okay, so we need to sit down and think, okay, okay, we're not just going to run ragged this week. What are we going to do to create some margin? How can we plan? It's sad, but we need to plan it. Put it in your iPhone. Spend time with the Lord being still. Put it in there. Put it in your daily schedule. That's okay. I need to do it. Anyways, if we're a little um, uh, proactive about our week as we look at our week and realize, oh my gosh, we're, we're really swamped this week and there are all things we need to do, so it's not like we can cut anything out, okay? But we can practically, okay, there's margin here. Let's find it. Lord, help us find it, right? We got to keep moving. Let that, let that sit though this week. How, how can we in our schedules put down the burden, and be still in that. Second burden I want us to consider this morning. So let's say that some of us do have, our schedules aren't, you're like, oh, Matt, I don't know what you're talking about. My schedule's fine. I'm, you know, I have got plenty of margin. I'm just kind of chilling all week long. And, and some of us do, and that's great. But have you ever experienced, even when you're in a moment of, of stillness, in terms of your physical activity has ceased, and you're, you're sitting down or whatever it may be, absent of physical activity, yet within your mind, okay, listen here, within your mind or within your emotions, there's still great turmoil and movement. You ever been there? It's like, man, Lord, I can't, I can't turn my brain off. You ever been there? Like can't sleep because of thoughts going on of, of planning or you're worried about something. Well, burden number two that I think we all experience is the burden of our worries. The burden of our worries There are thoughts that some of us dwell on every day throughout the day that are absolutely poison to our minds and to our soul. Thoughts of beating yourself up for not doing a good job at work or thoughts of other areas of self-esteem that we just beat each other up or, or maybe we're taking it out on somebody else, thoughts towards somebody else that we're just beating them up. 
Maybe it be, maybe be worries or anxieties about uh, relational issues. Maybe health issues. Political issues, we mentioned it before. Absolutely. Uh, vocational issues. Financial issues. These, these things that our minds will dwell on and worry about. And, and some of us, some of us become, have panic attacks about them, right? We, some of us need to go to the hospital every day. <laughs> like we get so worried, we're worked up about whatever it is, and we, we can't handle it, and our physical body begins to be affected. God desires us to be still, to put down these worries, and to trust him. Again, if we revisit Psalm 46, the first three verses, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, because if we really believe that, if we really have experienced that, and if you haven't, man, give him a go sometimes, and you will experience it because he's good. He is refuge, and he is strength, and he is a very present help. So, so the sons of Korah say, well, therefore, we're not going to fear. We're not going to fear. We're not going to carry this burden of worry and anxiety that weigh us down. Boy, it's an act of faith, and it's a little weird, but I'm going to put this down and not be in control of my life for once. Whoa. Uh Uh-oh. I say that sarcastically, but it's big. To be still is to put these worries down. Because, not because we're just um, emptying our minds or, or, you know, uh, just for the sake of doing it so that we're, we're calm, but we're doing it in a way that we're trusting in God. Our eyes are being fixed upon who He is in his faithfulness, and, and Jesus says it straight up in Matthew 6, we, we don't need to worry about these things. We don't need to worry about these things. We don't need to worry about these things. You guys remember the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 19 this prophet was a powerful prophet. He did a lot of things that God did through in and through his life as, as, as God brought his kingdom in, in ways through Elijah. Um, you may recall a story in 1 Kings 19 where Elijah was, was going up against 450 prophets of Baal. You guys remember that story at all? Okay. Well, base, the, the basics of the story is that these prophets of Baal claimed that their God was the real God and the true God and the big, bigger God than Yahweh. And Elijah was like, well, hey, let's have a duke out and prove it. Okay, let's just settle this silly argument once and for all. So he said, you guys go ahead and set up a, a, an animal sacrifice and you guys can call down and see if Baal burns it up and accepts your, your, your sacrifice. And then I'm going to set up one to the Yahweh, to the true God, and, and same thing. And so they, they set this little thing up. It's like, do-do-do, here we go, here we go. So the, the prophets of Baal had their, their option to start. They start praying to Baal. Baal, come, come, show yourself to us. And I don't know what else they entailed with that, hooting, hollering, cutting. Who knows what they did? Um, I didn't look into it. They did something. Anyways, nothing happened, right? Nothing happened. No animal just sat there on the altar and it didn't get sacrificed, nothing. Well, there was 450 of these prophets doing all this uh, for that. And Elijah, single guy, he, he was by himself. He said, pre- pretty simply, it's awesome. You should read in, in, in uh, 1 Kings 19. He's like, God, you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And uh, I know you're the true God. You're the Yahweh. So would you pray? And, and even before he prayed that, they dumped water all over that sacrifice and like, dumped water all over the altar. And, and what happened? God showed up, burned everything up and proved that he was the, the God of the world. 
Well, in this, the, the point of me bringing this up was right after that happened, right after that happened, Elijah got, got a message from Jezebel, who was King Ahab's wife at the time. Okay, King, King Ahab over Israel, his wife Jezebel threatens Elijah. She goes, hey, long story short of why she's threatening, but hey, I'm going to basically kill you now because of what you've just done with the whole Baal stuff. I'm, I'm going to kill you. And so Elijah's like, yeah. So he runs off. He runs off to a cave. He gets to a cave and he, and, he, and he lodges there. And we don't know how long he was there necessarily. But God had some business to do with Elijah, did he not? Elijah was sitting in the cave worried for his life and he had some good reason for it. But the point, he was worried there. He was still, he was probably sitting there in the dark, but his mind was going, I'm freaked out here, Lord. What's going on? Well, you guys may know the story, but what happens is, so he's kind of looking for God to come. He's looking for God to show up and help him through this time. And the, the, the word says, the, a mighty wind came and, and it rushed through the, the forest and it hung the trees and Elijah was like, whoa, mighty wind. And, but the Lord was not in the wind, scripture says. Then a rumbling earthquake came and shook the cave and I can imagine rocks going everywhere and Elijah's like, oh, surely this is God going to speak now. And, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then a consuming fire came and swept through and, you know, just blazed everything up. And Elijah, oh, God's coming now. No, but God wasn't in the fire. But then came a sound of a low whisper, a silence, a stillness. And in that moment, it says that Elijah got up from the cave and he goes out to the outside of the cave And in the stillness, God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And they begin to have a conversation in the stillness, in the silence. God speaks. God speaks in many different ways. But a lot of times in the hustle and bustle, and if we're turning up the volume of our worries in our mind, I don't know if we're leaving him much room to speak or uh, not, not to speak, but for us, we're not leaving much room for us to listen, to hear what he's saying because we're so loud in our worries. John Piper again. The life impact of God's supremacy in the world and his inevitable triumph over the nation's and the coming of his glorious kingdom of righteousness and peace, the impact of this awesome reality doesn't hit us and hold us and shape us unless we become still and quiet before God. God hits home in the stillness. I believe it. I believe he can hit home any way he wants, but... He hits home in the stillness. Let that sink in. We've got to keep moving this morning. But be still. What, what does it look like for us, number one, that number one burden to, to put down our busy schedules? What does it look like to create some margin, intentional margin, and walk away to be still and know that he's God? What does it look like 
for us, maybe on this side of the, 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 the dial, maybe our schedules are okay, but, but our minds and our hearts and our, our souls are just in turmoil with thoughts and, and anxieties and worries. What, is, what does it look like for us to, to take those down? And boy, those are the scary ones, really. Those are, those are big deals to, to put down a, a worry. I'm not going to worry about that financial issue. Not that we're not faithful in trying to figure it out, right? Not, you know, we're not, that doesn't mean you just sit and do nothing, but it means you put it down and you look to him. Burden number three. There's a third burden. The burden of our strivings. And this is kind of specific to people who have come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, um, who are seeking to serve him, and to be ambassadors for his kingdom. Um, if you haven't come to know the Lord as your, as your Savior, um, I don't know, as you think about these things, it can maybe apply a little bit, but I, I pray this morning that, that you can come to know Jesus as your Savior. He, he died for you. He died for your sin. And all you need to do is receive the work that he accomplished on the cross for you. You just need to receive it by faith. Um, anyways, for us who have received him as savior and we're growing in him and we're, we're, we're exercising our spiritual walks with the Lord. The exchange life ministries ha- has a great saying and it's this. Many Christians today strive the opposite of being still. They strive to work or to serve and to minister for God instead of working from God. And if you know the difference of that, you know what I'm talking about, of what a burden it is to work for God rather than working from and within and abiding with God. And it's the third burden that I just want us to consider this morning. Um, Watchman Nee, uh, our journey group, oh... Eight months ago or so, little tiny book. Look how little this is. You could read this in like a day and a half, like not the whole day, but like a couple sittings, right? A couple hours. Just uh, read through this little book. It's called "Sit, Walk, Stand" by Watchman Nee. Uh, again, I, I and I, I don't, I don't agree with every single thing authors say about everything all the time. So, whatever you can hate me for liking Watchman Nee if, if if there's some things you disagree with him, different books you've read, but. This book, I can say just about every page I agree with. So I can definitely promote this to us this morning. Anyways, in this book, he goes through a lot of different things and and talks about how believers need to operate as it relates to serving God and living the Christian life. And yet doing it, serving God and doing the Christian life out of a place of stillness as God desires us to do. Okay? Okay. He says some things I just quoted through here a little bit from what he says. If the life of a Christian is to be pleasing to God, it must be properly adjusted to him in all things. Too often we place the emphasis in our own lives upon the application of this principle to some single detail of our behavior or of our work for him. Christianity does not begin with walking. And when he says walking, what he's meaning there is, is serving and, and, and getting out there and, and, and winning and doing things and doing things and doing things, outward behavior things. Christianity does not begin with walking. It begins with sitting, with resting, 
And he says most Christians make the mistake of trying to walk in order to be able to sit. Do you, do you see that? Trying to walk in order to, to sit, but that is the, that, that's the reserve, reversal of the true order of what it should be, what it could be. A Christianity begins not with a big do, but with a big done. I, I love that quote. And if you, I hope you kind of get what that means. It means it's not all about what we're doing, though it is like we want to be doing things. But if we're off, we're off on the reservation on our own strength, our own way, guiding ourselves and our minds. Oh, I must, I should go talk to this person. Oh, I should go do this, serve this ministry or go do this task or do this. And it's all on our own. There's no connection. There's no abiding in the Lord saying, Lord, what would you have me do? And how would you like me to do it? And, and how does your strength participate with me with that? So I'm just not completely striving after the wind. A lot of us do that, though, and it's an incredible burden. Christianity does not begin with a big do, but a big done. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he came to his last breath. Do you guys remember his last thing he said? It is finished. What, what, what was finished? What, what was he talking about? God's wrath being taken completely upon him. Taking, taking the wrath that we deserve. Sin, the sins of the world being taken upon him and that he was forgiving us of our sins and he was taking that and he was dying for it. He was taking the penalty of sin, which was death. And not just the forgiveness of sins and, and not just the wrath of God part of the cross, but, but when he rose again from the dead and he was victorious over sin, now there was a there was a, 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 what is being finished. Now there's righteousness, his righteousness, his perfection available for us to receive by faith. We, we have now an opportunity. If, and if we have, if we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we have a, a new identity in him. We're new creations created in Christ Jesus now, not, not created in fallen humanity. But create, we're new creations created in Christ Jesus for good works. That what? He prepared for us beforehand that we would walk in them. Not in these good works that we need to muster up and, and figure out how to, in our own strength, in our own wisdom, like, ah, I got to figure out how to serve God and uh, 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 grind it out every day, every week. He said, it is finished. We are now, as we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are heirs of the promise. Boy, that's just hitting me new this morning just now. We are heirs, heirs of God according to his promise. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We are sons and daughters. When I look at my boy Noah or my daughter Leah or, or Lydia... My, my view of God towards me has changed. We are sons and daughters of the Most High. We don't need to strive. We only need to be still. And here's the thing. Before we uh, close and respond in song, the thing is this. Out of being still in our schedules, 
being still in our worries, being still in our, in our ways that we strive and do things on our own strength, out of being still in the fullness of the finished work of Christ on our behalf, listen, listen, listen. If you want to, if you want to have a life of adventure and of purpose and of, of God doing things in and through your life that you're like, holy cow, this is awesome. Like, wow, God just did this and God's doing that and God's doing this and, and, and his kingdom's coming. If, if you want to be a man or a woman, boy or girl, who is serving the King of Kings and Lords of Lords in an honest way, as you sit and rest, some of us will think, Matt, I, I don't think, if I, just, if I just rest in God, then nothing's going to get done. Who's going to serve the needs? Who's going to do the ministry? Backwards. I promise you, if we sit with him, if we learn how to be still in him, we are going to serve more. We're going to serve more in more healthy ways. And we're going to go and do more. Like what's going to be done literally physically in our schedules for him, for the kingdom. There will be more that happens. I promise you. But you'll be doing it in his strength and in his guidance and in his abiding presence. And, and, and he's going he's gonna to floor you of, oh my word, the Lord Jesus is working. Um, so, as we close in this last song, what, what burdens do we need to lay down? I, I want to give us some time of response. We've got five minutes or so as we do this song. Um, as we sing, respond to God. The altar's always open. There's men and women here that will come and pray for you. We have elders here. If there's, if there's something going on that God's like, this burden you must put down and walk away. Let, let us pray with you. Let us help you put it down. Let us help you. Make it known to people in your life so they can help you continue to put it down when you take it back up. Let's do business with God. At the cross, you beckon me. You draw me gently to my knees. I'm lost for words. I'm lost in love, God, but I'm sweetly broken, wholly surrendered. Let, let, let's sing this maybe with new eyes, with new things as, as God. Let, let's respond to God this morning. Let's lay our burdens down. Would you stand as we close? And, I, and I'll come and close this in a moment.